0: Yeah, Dr. Dre is in full effect, and I gotta tell y'all a little something. Eazy-E is down with us. MC Ring, you know he's down with us. DJ Yala is down with us. Arabian Prince, you know he's down with us. Tony A. the Wizard is down with us. JJ Bag is down with us. Timmy T, you know he's down with us. DJ Pooh, boy, is down with us. Toddy, B, and down with us. My boy Ice Cube, you know he's down with us. I like to mention, so pay attention to where I'm from. son but the tapes are from the Rodeum. My name is Dre, listen while I play. And by the way, I'm also down within WA Yo, Steve at the Rodeum is down with us. Slang funky tapes, it is a must. We're number one.
1: Welcome back, everybody, to Rodeum Radio. Welcome back, everybody, to Radio episode six and i have a west coast legend in the house uh call a friend text a friend page a friend if he still has the beeper you know but make sure you get their ass on here because we're gonna have a dope serious uh awesome hip-hop conversation between two friends uh, so once again hip-hop uh, uh rhodium radio was inspired by uh steve yano and his wife sue who had their stand at the rhodium swan meeting in the city of gardena for those who do not know what a Swami it is it's an open uh flea market or a uh, uh, outdoor uh, shopping center if you will and he had a stand there and he supported many many independent artists and that's what rhodian radio is it's a platform for our voice to be heard for uh, uh, many artists that may not have any uh type of radio connection or whether songs could get played on the radio or whether voice is not heard or whether history is never told you can come on this show and uh, um share with us and uh, once again without further ado, I would like to invite my good friend DJ Battlecat. Up, Thank man? you for coming my brother Thank you Thank, champ. You. Thank you my man. brother uh, before we get into all the good stuff, all your plaques, all your records, all your history, uh, I, I want to talk about the origins or the beginning of DJ Battlecat uh, it, first of all I like to ask my guests wh- where were you where are you originally from where did you uh, where were you raised at?
0: And South Central, uh off of Slauson and uh Van Ass, which is in uh the rolling sixties. Okay. Uh, I came to that neighborhood when I was three years old in nineteen seventy one. Seventy-three. Okay. okay. Yes.
1: Now when you say I came to that neighborhood, where did you come from?
0: Uh I was still born in Los Angeles, but I used to live across the street from the uh the form, I mean the, not the form, the Coliseum in the sports arena, and that's off of King Boulevard in uh uh Vermont off of Layton, not too far from uh, John Muir and uh, and uh, Manuel.
1: Okay. W- what elementary did you attend?
0: Uh, 59th Street School. That's in 60 Hood. That's in South Central.
1: Okay. And the junior high? Back then it was junior high. Today it's right. middle school.
0: Yeah, yeah. So my mid- uh, junior high, middle school, I was moving around, you know, because I had a little temper. But uh, uh, I moved around a- uh, quite a few schools. So a lot of people remember me from... Uh, Horseman first. Uh then we went to Audubon and uh John Meir.
1: Okay. Wow, those three different schools right yeah, there. Yeah. So were you
0: that much of a damn troublemaker or
1: what? <laughs> well, I wouldn't
0: say so much of a troublemaker, but you know, it was just a communication, you know. A lot of teachers at some at certain schools, they didn't really tune into uh what the art, uh, what, what I was as a, as a young man, you know. My mother and father was definitely there, but you had a lot of them that were uh, ab- ab- abused their, their privilege as a parent or a counselor or okay. a teacher, you know, to try to take things in their own hands. So my mother wasn't having that, and I was very protected of that type of stuff.
1: Okay, okay. I asked that because I, I went to Women's Junior High, and just the bad thing is that I never went to damn school. I flunked eighth grade. I flunked tenth grade, and... I gave my mom hell, man. You know, wow. I'm not proud of it. I actually admit that very shamefully. Yes. If there's anything I can go back, I wish I can go back and do yes. it would be those years, you know. Wow. So, uh, and, and what high school did you go to?
0: I went to Crenshaw and the same thing kind of continued there. Uh, I went to Crenshaw first, uh, uh then in a second or third, I mean third sem- semester. Uh, I just started moving around a lot, man. You know, I was very troubled because I needed the big brother. So let me just name all the schools. I went to Crenshaw, Dorsey, Fremont, and Manuel. Damn. Uh, but I finally returned back to, uh, to Crenshaw. And then, uh, my mom gave me a scare. She's like, look, if you can't get your shit together, you know, we're gonna put your ass in job course. So I got my grades right, but my behavior was still kind of off the chain. So she put me in Job Corps and then that kind of like tuned the brother up because then I had to really learn about the uh, society and the community as far as getting my money, managing my money. And they gave me an allowance every two weeks there. I had to uh, save that money to bus myself to a trade, like a trade that was uh, uh, not too far from where I was housed at or whatnot. So... It was cool. It was a cool experience. You know what I'm saying? Yeah.
1: You know, like like I said, uh, if I can go back, uh, because one thing that I live with today,
0: yes,
1: my mother, you know, has gone on to be with the Lord now, and um,
0: there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah.
1: You know, uh, I wish I could have went back and made her proud because I never graduated. I, I got to, banning high school, twelfth grade, and then I just dropped the hell out because all I wanted to do was do music.
0: Wow. You know, it's amazing that music can do that. I mean. Bycat, you know another friend of mine, and a lot of people know or don't know, who uh, who I followed that produced LL Crew J DJ for LL, and uh, and was original K D mix master at a short time before he DJ for LL. He he was such an inspiration for me that I end up damn near doing the same thing because. Um, but I, I I knew that education was going to have to play a major role. You know, you never stop learning math and English and history uh, was was the main thing that I needed to be able to uh, cope with the, the, the new venture and the new things I had to take responsibility and that's, you know, having my own bread and keeping it and showing up on time and being able to continue, you know, you know the craft of being a, a DJ Slash Producer yeah, and whatnot.
1: Yeah. Now, like growing up, you have brothers and sisters?
0: Yes, I have uh, three brothers. One, rest in peace, Sean, uh, my brother, James, and my brother, Mike Stro and my sister, Kim. Okay. Yes. I see.
1: Uh, I come from a huge Mexican family, five brothers, four sisters. Yes, beautiful. Uh, my mom ended up having like 32 grandkids. Wow. You know, uh, that's a good thing. It's, uh, so, it's
0: a blessing, yeah.
1: man. Our Christmases were always packed, you know. Uh, Wow. But uh, now, as far as, like you you said, your parents, are your parents originally from L.A.?
0: Yeah, they both are originally from L.A. Uh, uh, One has, my father has the back uh, an extended family uh, on the Gilliam side from Kansas City, Missouri, and Sweetport, Louisiana, uh, on uh, on my mother's side.
1: Okay, okay. Now, now, give me a picture. Now, growing up here in South Central, yes. Uh, what kind of music was played at home? Like, what would your mom play? What would your dad
0: play? Wow, that's crazy. Uh, as far as I can remember, being the age of two or three, both was together and in the house. So a lot of 45s and albums was being played. So we're talking about Eddie Kendrick. We're talking about that soul and R&B. Uh, we had Sly and the Family Stone. That's a lot of soul. I didn't really hear other genres of music. Oh, well, I heard rock and roll. Mm-hmm. I fell in love with hearing uh, Jimi Hendrix. Yes. Uh, the band of Gypsies, which was his first all-black band, which was Billy Kyle, uh Billy Cox, uh, and the great legendary uh, Buddy Miles, uh, which was a drumming and a lead vocalist. So that, those, was the, those were the two Rock and roll and soul. Uh I didn't hear funk until I moved into the sixties, in the, meaning the neighborhood, yeah. uh nineteen seventy three. Then I started hearing other genres of music like jazz, Ramsey Lewis, uh uh Aretha Franklin on the gospel side, and uh many other funk uh artists like James Brown started to uh, be the backdrop in my in my life before the parliaments and everyone else followed through. No, no. So so uh, back to high school, did you play any sports? Uh, no, nah, even though I liked football a little bit, um, but I had a passion for uh, music, and uh, I really liked the girls, and I was really into dancing. My first love is drums. So uh, when the sports thing didn't uh, take a full effect on me, uh, that the music was always my my junkie my drug of, of, of choice or so my my time the majority of my time trying to discover myself in education was was music
1: yeah that, now you said drums. did you so did you take up drums?
0: yes i picked up drums ever since i was three years old my father bought me a drum set and then when my mother and father uh separated my mother uh seeing that i was real passionate and she took the time out and said that i was serious when she took me to church, I started to have a different appreciation of, of what, what I came to discover and fall in love with. And when I started seeing the protocol and the excitement of drums being played outside my home, the first time I seen it live was at a, at a church, and so I fell in love with it that much more. And she wouldn't let me for the longest touch the drums or play it because it was a responsibility that came with touching someone else's property. But my cousin, Jimmy, let me, uh, one day at, uh, after service, he let me play. And, uh, and my mother was shocked to see me really, uh, hold the rhythm and the beat to, uh, to, uh, to the choir that was playing. And, uh. Ever since then, she said, "You know what? You know what? You can, if you stay consistent with your with your home responsibilities in school, I, I think about it, and eventually, I got me a full set, professional set." Damn. About how old were you when you got that set? I want to say maybe maybe seven, eight years old. Damn. And uh, so what she did to me is. It's really groomed me. She said, you know what? I got all these different music that I love ever since I was a kid. To now I want you to play to some brass construction, some Ramsey Lewis, which was jazz, some Santana. Wow. She wanted me to have a variety of skill set to be able to play. She wanted my tempo tight. She wanted me to be able to lock in and be a pocket uh soulful drummer. And I appreciate her doing that for me.
1: Now, now, would you say when you, when it came time to play drums, do you think you were a natural or do you think you learned gradually
0: to get good? Yeah, I, I was natural because um, my 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 cousin showed me how to properly hold the stick, but I didn't take any lessons the whole ride. Once I seen how to really hold the sit, uh, hold the sticks, and play and. When she got me the drums, it was no one that sat with me. I mean, once i seen it the first time, because I loved it so much. Yeah. I just, my memory and passion was so high that I would, I would never forget. So I just stayed consistent with it. And, uh, and it, and it did, it did some great things for me. You know, it put me in a, a unique place. And I, she was happy about that because she seen that her, her investment was worth the while. And, you know, we're talking about in the house, it's not soundproof of shit. So yeah. the whole block could hear me. <laughs> and it was cool because uh, they never had on that block that kind of impact and support uh, or that that, that kind of uh, experience of a parent behind their kid with with an instrument like that. So the whole block enjoyed my uh molding and grooming of, of, of me and music and drums.
1: That's dope, man. I remember back in... The, I was in uh, junior high school. I went to women's junior high. I went to banding. And back then, they had uh, music classes, drums. I tried to take drums, bro, but I was sorry as hell. The, the thing that l- I lacked was patience. I, I just couldn't. Yes. I didn't have the patience. So I just stuck to fucking making beats on the school desk. You know, that's all I man, did. And I
0: experienced the same thing, too, because before she bought me my drum set, I was pounding on shit in the house and she said, you know what, you know, um, baby, we need the furniture and the shit around here, so <laughs> once you go to the kitchen and get you a, a couple of pots. And then, little than I know how tune, in tune she was about me going to the kitchen to pick up two pots. That was, uh, the reflection or Uh, of of a a pair of bongos or a you know, so she said, get one small and get one bigger. So when I did that, I couldn't believe that I knew to pick one to my liking. So I would test out different ones. I would turn it upside down and I tested two of the pots. And uh, I did that and I brought them to to her bedroom where her her whole system was. had an incredible system with the microphone and forty-five and eight tracks all built in one. So that was really part of her even teaching me too how to become a DJ. we will talking wow. about that when you bring that yeah, up. Yeah. But we played to every record that she had repetitiously. Like she she loved these records so much she wouldn't let go. So I would learn all the the the, the, the parts in these records that she played, and so I got familiar with um when to play and how to play and improvise i didn't know that's what it was called but that's what she did for right
1: it. right that's dope okay now you're playing drums mm-hmm. at a young age yes. w- when was the first time you can say you actually saw a dj and who was it
0: well, the first time uh, I laid my eyes on the DJ was in 1979. He's still alive to this day and been a mentor the whole ride. His name was DJ Reg, R&J Enterprise. And 1979, that was the same year that, you know, uh, hip hop was uh, ever discovered. As far as us on the West Coast, we heard Sugar Hill. I was in uh, fifth or sixth grade, I think yeah uh, six, uh the sixth grade.
1: How, how old are you if you don't mind me asking
0: I, I can't really put the number on what I was that's that's crazy in 1979, you know but okay. I had to be between you know 10. something okay. like that. around the same time where I'm learning how to play drums and, and getting into all of this happening within the within the two years between the fifth grade and the sixth grade. okay so uh shake your pants. Of course. Uh, my cameo was out too, but um, Reg was mixing those records. And uh, I was into pop locking too at the same time, roboting and pop locking. So my mother wanted to see me at my graduation dance, and I didn't because I was mesmerized from seeing someone with two turntables actually playing the, these records that you would hear on radio. I didn't know that you could do that. And it, it just blew my mind. So a mother's upset as, like a mother because she want to see me dance my ass off. Yeah. And I'm like, nah, I, I, I'm just traumatized by seeing this, this guy t- touch these two turntables. And we're talking about funk. We're talking about a tempo maybe at almost 115 or 120 beats per minute. You know, I was I will always dance to grooves that fast because I was just into, into yeah. it. And, um, I said, that's it. That's what I want to do, along with the first gift as a DJ. So they went hand in hand.
1: Okay. You know, it's funny because, okay, I'm 51 years old right now. I was born. Yeah, come on. 68, baby. 68. Come on. Okay. (laughs) It was 1979, 11 years old. First time yeah, I so that, that, that name, yes. you hear
0: me with that, so that's, that was about right, about 10. 19, My brother know, was yeah. DJing at a
1: club, and I'm sure you heard of it. It had three names. At, at one point, it was called Noah's Ark,
0: Noah's Infinity,
1: Ark. and then Infinity. Grand Central Station Damn. in Long Beach. Okay. Yeah,
0: that's a dope name. Yeah. Infinity is hard. That's forever. Yeah,
1: and uh, he was DJing, and back then, he was DJing with the faders going up and down. You know, that's how he was blending. Yeah. I, I didn't see scratching until uh, um, I saw... Uh, King Tim, Calvin Anderson's brother, when I went to VIP,
0: mm, that was yes. the first I time I ever saw Scratchy. I know what you're talking about. Yeah,
1: and then I saw Grandmaster Flash on TV. Wow. Yeah, yeah that was the first. That was the second time, but the, uh, my brother was the first blender, if you will. And you know, back then, he was mixing like <clears throat> Ray Parker Jr. and
0: yes.
1: uh, uh, Earth, on. Wind and Fire, all the live drummers. Back then, yes. DJs had to be really good, man. Yes.
0: Because you had to
1: ride the damn record. You yes,
0: know? yes. That's live. You got to keep the beat, and you can't. They it, can't get people off. Exactly. Off, they'll be mad because you can I'm, clear up the dance floor off of a record <laughs> skipping. Yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. So
1: and I was popping too. It, it was a weird. Quick story. Uh, first time my mom ever went to go see me do anything. It was uh, me popping. Uh, I was going to uh, elementary school right here in the city of Wilmington, a school called Broad Avenue. And I saw these guys that were doing a routine, and they were one month away from performing. And wow. this was my sixth grade year. Wow. So I'm thinking to myself, okay, I need to learn how to pop because I want to be on that show. Yes. And I want to make my mom proud. Come on. And I want her to come see me. Yes. And that's when I met uh, Boogaloo Shrimp. Uh, Boogaloo. Michael Chambers. Wow. He Turbo. went to Banny? Yeah, he went to Banny. Yeah. Yes. Uh, as a matter of fact, he lives out here in the east side. Well, he used to. So I hooked up with him. and He taught me some moves. I went and talked to the lady who uh, was uh, was holding the event. And I said, I want to be on this. She said, let me see you pop. So I popped. I bit some moves, you know.
0: Yes, come and on. You got to make it. Y- yeah.
1: Come. So I made it happen. My mom went to go see me perform. And she was really excited. That year I graduated. My brother took me to a club. And that's pretty much how Damn. my music career started. Yes. Going to a club at 11 years old. Yeah, we got a lot you in know?
0: common, man. Yeah,
1: man. So, so now... Uh, now, what comes first? You know how they say the chicken or the egg. What came first to you, the turntables or the drum machine? Drums. Really? The, the, I'm talking about the drum oh, machine. Oh, yeah. The, drum uh, machine
0: or turntables? Turntables. Turntables, same yeah, here. Yeah, because 79, that you know, that's what I was doing at the same time and playing drums. So it was, that helped me tremendously. Okay, now, did you learn how to blend first or scratch first? Let me show you how that happened. It was a combination <laughs> of both. My mother had this... Uh, long console stereo and and uh had the turntable happened to be on the left (laughs) on to your right in the middle center console was the cassette and the eight track now once i seen uh dj reg do his thing uh uh my first two singles i bought with my my uh graduation money or whatnot was uh the Breaks and Take Your Time, Do It Right by S.O.S. Band. And Curtis Woods, Which, which in, end up being one of my hits later, Right, knowing right. I'm going to become a, a producer. So check this out. I got a blank cassette because I wanted to record it to play it on my, my radio. But then I really wanted to get into this DJ thing. So I took the records. I sing the rubber match. I said, damn, I'm going to mark, mark up the records. This is not going to go. Got some scissors, uh, cut up the plastic that the record came with that was with my pads. Instantly, I knew that's how it was going to make everything smoother uh, for me to uh, scratch because that's what I seen them doing. I put a little baby powder on it, (laughs) did that. I never heard that. Um, It was a little bit too much, so I took some of it off, but it helped. Um, I recorded, I wanted to hear, hear them both. So after I recorded the, the song, uh, to cassette, I wanted to hear them both because this dude had two turntables. Yeah. So on your input selector on what you want to play, cassette, turntable, or radio, I found the way because the. The, the turntable which is phono and cassette was right next to each other. The third selector happened to be radio, so I was so fucking happy about that. What I would do with Tony was take the the select knob mm. and 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 try to keep it between the cassette in the middle. Yeah, in the middle, and it worked. I did, it kept slipping, then I got it to stay. So guess what? I'm hearing the cassette and the fucking turntable to the left play at the same time. I was so happy, but then I was like, well how am i going to be able to uh control or cancel one or the other but when i when i was happy about it and i stepped back dancing and shit, i stepped back and i can hear the turntable to the left and the cassette to the right and i'm like oh shit! so that's the balance i took the balance turned it to the right it canceled the turntable and when i turned it back it opened i was like it's on you found a way i found the way to him both And that's what made me a left hand because the turntable happened to be on the left wow so i'm i'm uh i'm learning how to get the record to simultaneously play on time with the cassette so then i learned how to phase and blend blend was first Uh, me being the drummer something made me just try to catch the record i always had an even uh, ability to, 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 uh, to, uh, uh, make a, uh, a choice of something because of the drums. Yes. So I started pulling, I grabbed one part of the record and I got it behind the beat, well, maybe a bar or half a bar. So I didn't know nothing about time signature. So I learned how to, uh, repeat the record, uh, i'm freaky i'm freaky it's doing that simultaneously behind each other so i I learned that but then it's another day go by i learned how to scratch by pulling the record back and flashing it you know by pulling it back and flashing it on beat that's when the scratching so i'm really self-taught yeah and i learned uh how to hand clap uh, hand clap. You are like? Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's, it's a before and after performance yes. when it comes to hand clapping, because I'm a musician first, and because I'm pop locking, I had my rhythm already packed down. That's just hard. You man. feel me? So that's that's hard. I
1: remember when I first heard the fucking hand clap, I was like, "What the fuck is that?" And uh, it was uh, actually Joe Cooley. Uh, I was about 15 years old when I right. met him, and he was like tick-a-tack, 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 yes. tick-a-tack, tick-a-tack, ticka ta, ticka ta, ticka ticka ta, ta, And I was like, that was beautiful.
0: Man, I heard it early because at 79, that's what Reg was doing, and when we had before, I was really listening to KDAY. We was listening to listening to KGFJ. Okay, they had mixers on that station as well, and uh, so I I got a chance to hear early on before listening to KDAY. Um, uh how djs was playing so that that set me up for greatness by the time i started listening to kd i was already full-time getting it in
1: dope dope. you know i pretty much learned almost the same way we had a home stereo except i didn't do a scratch pad i just we just had that hard thing that was pretty much like this yeah the rubber mat oh man but uh i didn't really didn't have no funk we had like blondie we had like kiss we had uh uh, wow.
0: uh some rock and roll yeah
1: what was that? Uh, another one by the dust,
0: yes, queen,
1: yeah. So I was like, Don't, don't know, don't, don't know because I had we had the round fader, yeah. And what a lot of people don't know when I scratch today, I always it looks like I'm scooping. And people say, Why do you move your hand like that? And I said, Well, I learned what a now, yeah, what a yeah. now. So it, it was what I how I learned that I saw Grandmaster Flash on TV, it was like a 30 second little interview. And he said, How we started scratching, it was like, you Go forward and back. Forward and back, but he had the, the fader. Yeah, to, forward and to back to cancel the sound.
0: Yeah, so I was like, "That's how I." We did the same thing, man. The, the same balance thing, man. knobs around. Yes, on the on the on the, on the uh, DJ unit. So that's crazy. It,
1: it, it, you know what? It, when somebody told me this years ago, it's not what you. It's not what you got. It's what you can do with what you got. We were yes. hungry, and that's what we yes. wanted to do.
0: Hell yeah! You know, it was a beautiful Hell thing yeah. to be able to do that, es- yeah.
1: especially back then when you get that one scratch that you wanted. You're like, got that shit. I just got to master it now.
0: You know, that's amazing that you say that, you know, because uh, it just shows, t- it taps into your natural ability and being a survivalist or being an innovator and a creator, you know, even without the manuals or proper instructions. And, you know, you can d- develop organic, unique, unique, uh, 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 I want to say, a, a unique way to, to be you and do you in anything that you do in life.
1: Yeah, yeah. Where, where, When was the first time that you can actually say you DJed somewhere, either a house party, backyard party, a prom, or, a, you know, whatever? Uh, around when? Was it in high school, it, after it was, high school? Believe
0: it or not, when, before we getting out of school, I mean, I, I say no. It was in junior high. Because I had this skill set during the summer after graduating from the sixth grade and it was time to go to middle school, um the school didn't have a dj at the time (laughs) and i i had enough education to know that it take two phono components to make this thing go so i i encouraged uh the counselor and the teacher at school to let me bring uh to some some records and let them show let them see how i play as a dj And i said i'm gonna need two uh phono players so i brought at that time my friend's mixer which was a realistic up and down mixer so somehow i figured out how to plug both of the units into the mixer and uh and i end up doing uh their lunch dance and everyone couldn't wait to see wow and uh It started right there. I didn't have a name at that
1: time. Before we go on break, I'm going to share something with you. My very first gig was a noon dance at my junior high school. I was in eighth grade. Wow. It was, I remember, uh, didn't have a DJ. So they put up flyers. So I figured, okay, I know how to do this, you know, so let me go ahead and ask. So, uh, they said, okay, do you know how to work the equipment? I said, uh, yeah. And I was lying. I just knew how to do this, you know? Right. So they showed me a cassette deck, a turntable, and a mixer that had a round fader. And I was like, okay, it kind of looks like home stuff. So the song Do It by the Bar that it just came out, Body yes, Talk, a bunch yes, of that shit. Yes. So I just took a gang of records, and on, on one cassette, I transferred all my stuff from my records onto that cassette. So when that song was over, I just chippa-chippa-cha, I put on a... Uh, Member by Orbit, uh, and the beat goes on. And the beat goes on. And the beat goes on. So that was my noon dance. So oh, that was my first. Wow. But uh, uh, we're gonna go to break. Yes. And when we come back, we're gonna talk about your first drum machine. Yes. So let's get it. Yes. So once again, uh, thank everybody for tuning in. And uh, if you're not, t- if you know somebody that wants to tune in, text them, call them, tell them we're live. We're getting into a deep discussion with my brother right here, DJ Battlecat, West Coast legend. And for right now, you're gonna listen to some of his classics. Some of his clip, but call someone and let them know that we're live. Okay, Rodian Radio, uh, stay tuned. We'll be back. Once again, thank you everybody for uh, staying tuned and tuning in and calling someone and letting them know uh, we're just getting started. Uh, once again, uh, without further ado, my brother here, DJ Battlecat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. uh, we just talked about um, how not only are we the same age, born the same year, obviously. Uh, Started DJing in junior high school, and uh, we learned how to scratch on home entertainment centers, if you will, okay? Now, if we speed up a little bit, well, let me touch on something that I'm a big fan of and something about you that I didn't know when I started doing a little bit more research because I wanted to – I didn't want this just to be an ordinary interview, but I I saw a video of you – if I'm correct, was it called the New Music Seminar back then? Or the was- DMC. The DMC.
0: Okay. Yes.
1: Now, what year was that?
0: Man, that could have been, uh, it definitely was in the 80s. So we're talking about maybe 88, 88.
1: Eighty nine, yeah,
0: yeah, somewhere yeah, some around that time.
1: Okay, now, now here's another thing that we have in common because I saw you cut up "Boom Bang Zoom" by Roxanne Shante, or, or, or the real Roxanne with Howie T. Yes. Yeah. Okay.
0: Yes, that's it.
1: Yeah, that, that was my same shit. I, I want to battle the DJs with that same yes, shit. Yes, so,
0: yes. So,
1: and you were cutting it up, man, and I was like, and especially because DJ Red Alert was right next to you.
0: Yes, man. Uh, a bunch of cats end up being legends as DJs. Uh, that's the guy who DJ for uh, uh, Third Base. He I, was, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, he was actually like a representative for the DJs. He was the one who was... He was like a host for the DJs. Okay. You'll see him uh, stop my hand in the whole routine when I when I was tearing shit up. And uh-huh. I guess I was going past pass my time, but I was just trying to let them know that, like, shit, West Coast in the House. Fits. Right,
1: right. N- now, now... When Joe went up against Cash Money from Philadelphia, mm-hmm. what? why was it called the New Music Seminar back then? The DMC. Oh, so it was the DMC yeah, still? it was
0: the DMC. I don't know about New Music Seminar, but the okay. DMC Seminar is what it was. Okay. Which was a DJ seminar, you know, where all DJs from all different... Uh, walks of life and, and countries would come together okay. international DJs and, and to compete to, to, uh, to compete. uh uh-huh. And, uh... uh w- when you were up there were they still giving away the belt? Uh... I think it was the jacket at that time and maybe an award. I don't... I don't think the belt quite was, uh... the prize just yet. Okay. Okay. And, uh... And, and a guy named Doug Young Uh... Not, uh... Is it Doug Young? I just know his name was Doug. I, I might got his name wrong. You know, uh, that's the homie. You know, he yeah. was an uh, artist at one time and he was a legendary in uh, uh, the movement with Death Row. He became a hell of a mar- uh, marketing and uh, PR person f- back in the days at Priority. And, okay. And uh, he he's the one that took me to compete. And uh, Latin was out there with Dub C as a guest artist to perform. So, uh, I would say I was the second, if not third, DJ to come uh, represent California.
1: Now, now, um, as a DJ fan, I'm going to ask you this. Yes. I know you must have seen the old videotape of Joe, Joe Cooley, King of Scratch versus Cash Money.
0: You know what? I didn't see that. I can't believe that with technology, I have not pulled that up to look at that whole okay that whole performance because i heard so much about uh so many so much controversy about uh how that ended up okay maybe okay. you can elaborate well, on
1: it well i saw it and i'll be honest with you and maybe because i love joe and i love his style and i thought at that time if i'm correct this was in 1988 he was the best DJ in the world, if you ask me. Yeah. Uh the only thing different that I saw that Cash Money did which, which Cash are doing today is that he was transforming with the fader.
0: Yes. You know.
1: Uh, Without I think, the clicking now. Yeah. He was doing the Peter Piper. Whoa, 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 whoa,
0: you know, he was yes. doing that. Yes.
1: And I thought, you know, I thought that shit was dope, but I didn't think it was good enough with Joe's transforming, with Joe's quickness yeah. up and down cross yeah, everything. Trans- his
0: transition and and another thing they weren't used to is acknowledging that Tech, techno music was our foundation to have our speed up, so we was really double. Yes, the time you know it yes. was in double time versus playing something at sixty or seventy beats per minute. We was double timing on the ass, and that's why our scratches were so dope. And they not they they couldn't believe we was taking the clicking now which was a shorter way to 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 open and close yes. the sound. Yes, you know they didn't want to give us that appreciation for that unique. Uh, uh uh way of scratching and, and uh and and doing our thing so you can, as you go back and look at that video you can see how the ass was drooling and looking at me really ripping yeah ripping my scratches up you know and uh i know I, I was, and up and down and fader at the same yes. time which new york wasn't doing wasn't they, we brought brought our culture and our our style and uh they just wasn't ready to give it up
1: no, and, and back then, what this generation may not know, that back then, it was a battle between East and West. Yes, you know? yes. They, was, they
0: couldn't understand our culture, uh, our attitude, our language, you know. The style. Everything about about our coast, you know. and
1: uh, Now, that year, who won the DMC?
0: Do you remember? I didn't know who won that year. When I entered, I, d- I didn't know, you know, because okay. I was so... Uh, this uh disappointed in how they were, <laughs> what you know and then not were judging, possibly yeah yeah how they just didn't appreciate and then when before I can uh, end my routine even though I put in a month, uh, enough work for them to understand that I wasn't no fucking joke with what my contribution. Right. Uh the way the guy approached me to grab my hand to stop me from produce, you know no producing such great shit at that time. Cause see to me I had a producer's uh mind state, so that's why i'm using that word okay you know as a dj i was already making beats around that time so my country contribution came from that so uh you know it, it was all good you know and later they they got a chance to appreciate because a lot of them artists had to come to cali yeah and i ended up being with uh, an organization called the kd mix masters so them same people who was judging Seeing me again on a bigger platform, playing for thousands of right. of kids and our coast and culture, and and their asses was blown, so they they gained a uh, later later down the line respect for our culture. Totally. Totally.
1: Now, now to jump a little bit ahead, what was your first drum machine?
0: Um, before the SB twelve hundred, it was a uh, uh, Nakai. I want to say it was a Nakai. Drum machine. Now, when you say Kai, you're not talking about, like, the MPC-60, no, correct? No, Kai had other drum machines before then, See, I didn't even know that. Yeah, when you go and look up all the earlier uh, drum machines, it'll blow your mind. But I take that back. Uh, uh, now that I remember the color of the drum machine, it was a Casio, Casio uh, Keyboard, drum machine. Possibly? No, it was a drum machine. They make drum machines as well. So, like I said, with me being... Uh, a percussionist and a drummer because beating on pots and pans that's what that is that's that's in the percussion family so it was easy to uh learn how to program okay You you, you know so here i am uh grooming myself and with all my patterns but when it was time to take it to another level i had this opportunity with the uh with a friend of mine's named richie rich who was a part of the la dream team okay uh lonzo at that time had a hit record out called um uh, turn out the lights
1: now when we say lonzo that's from the world-class
0: working crew at the same time we're talking about 88 88 at that time so a lot of things is happening fast bro from the time of me uh coming out of junior high high school dj and all that um uh, at that time Lonzo and Dre separated. They went their separate ways, but they were still kind of cool. Well, he needed someone to fill in. So Richie Rich uh, said, hey, man, it's an opportunity for you to take a position being in a world-class record. I'm like, what? That's Dr. Dre's. Get down. I said, what happened? He said, "They they went separate ways, but he's auditioning for DJs. I went up there. I blazed that ass. And, uh, there was nobody else in the room at the time, you know. Standing the Guitar Man was there, but no other DJs or nothing like right. that. You know, like how it was when I became a KD Mixmaster. Um, uh, by that time, I'm already a, a mix Mixmaster. I'm already there. He heard about me, but he just didn't know if I could get Dre. He seen this kid, he said, damn, you, you got Dre ass and then some. He said, these are the old twirls that Dre used to use. You know, you can use these, you know. And he would let me take them home. One day, I come in the studio, I meet Dre. Uh, Dre come to pick up some yellow anvil cases. And he not knowing that I'm taking his place at that time, so that was kind of crazy and weird. But at that time, I I knew he was the man as far as making beats and DJing, so... He came in and he saw me and I was uh, stuck with the drum machine, which happened to be the SB12 before the 1200. Uh So I didn't know anything about bars or time signature at that time, but I'm still a hell of a drummer and a percussionist. So he heard me pound the fuck out the SB12, and he could tell that I was a drummer because the kind of rhythms and the uh, cadence that I was uh, playing uh exciting him he said it sounds like you know what you're doing he he, he said you kind of stuck i'm like yeah this is all i can get it within these two bars and so he showed me how to copy and stretch the sequence that i was playing and uh he showed me time signature and bars and it's been on ever since you know it's funny the first
1: time that i met you was at Lonzo spot
0: wow it was a lonzo spot and i remember who were
1: you with steve yano Damn. Steve Yano was like my connection to everything. You Jeez. know, i I'd walk in everybody, oh, come on and Steve, come on and Steve. Who's the who's the Mexican guy? Oh, that's Tony yeah, He does my mixtapes with Dre, Easy, and those guys. And it was funny because you were bent over. You weren't looking at me. And you know what you were plugging in? The MPC-60 had just came out. You had oh, an MPC-60 wow. at Lonzo's. And I remember how I remember you because Lonzo said, this is a, a, um." he had introduced you by, I think, Kevin. He said your Yeah, name. my real name was yeah, Kevin. And he yeah. said, that's my secret against Dr. Dre. Are you fucking kidding? Yeah, me? dude. I thought you heard it. And I
0: was twenty nineteen. I'm hearing this yeah, shit. This yeah, dude. Fucking phenomenal. I, I was
1: like, wow. I was like, oh wow. wow okay, I, you must Y'all be hear fucking this dope.
0: Shit? It's crazy yeah. right now.
1: So then I remember leaving. And asking Dre, hey, man, you know what? I wasn't sure who that guy was, talking about you. Right. And he goes, oh, yeah, I sell his records. But you had that Battle Cat record already.
0: Yeah, called DJ in Effect.
1: Yes, that one. And I was like, that's his shit? Because I used to cut that record up. Oh, and He goes, yeah, wow. that's him. And I was like, oh, shit, I didn't know, you know? But yeah, yeah,
0: and that's crazy because I learned so much there at Lonzo how to multi-track Uh... Because early on, I was hearing... We was all hearing Dre mega mixes that he was doing for K-Day. And I was wondering how was he able to overdub and yeah. add all of those, those those records simultaneously like that. Come I'm to find out that the Kai 12 track, which was a beta uh, recorder, you would put a, a VH kind of uh, recorder in there, tape in there, and we would record uh, all the music there. And... Uh, Man, that was just a crazy experience. I learned so much how to engineer. I learned about reverbs and echoes. And I wanted all that shit. I didn't have none of that shit at my house. I didn't even have a pair of 12s. So for a long time, I had Lonzo's 12s and uh, a 1650 Newmark mixer. And uh, I was just, man, mastering all the equipment the best way I could. Yeah. So when I got my bread up, I was able to get my own shit. Now...
1: I went over to my boy's house the other day to look up that Battle Cat record. I think it came out '88 '89. Yeah,
0: you see what I'm saying? It's with. I was I was thrusted so fucking fast, but my ability, you know, and and and, and uh, an etiquette at that time. I was, you know, to 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 inherit all that or get all that, in, into into a, a professional level. You know, I had to get it, learning and own it you know yeah and especially to be able to uh have the, the the respect to where he he was uh letting me have the studio as much as i wanted yeah you yeah. know and he he wanted another drake so so bad i didn't even know that that's what his goal was yeah but i i see why i have so much favor with lonzo he would come pick me up he will uh uh, tried to give me the DJ at Dudos. That was kind of hard because I stayed in the Crip hood. Yeah. That hood is in the Blood hood. So I didn't have enough money to change up the apparel so yeah. I could fit in. And my body posture and language was more, you yeah. could just tell that I I didn't belong to that neighborhood.
1: And during that time, people have to understand, that, that motherfucking time was a rough-ass time. It was right?
0: raw as fuck. And, but what he did was show me how to ha- have people skills and and diversify my my vocabulary as far as different and being in different communities because i mean i was familiar with the bloods because of where i live i mean i was one block over from two different neighborhoods one was the vngs and the and the uh six deuce brim they like shit fucking five blocks apiece from each other so i i did understand that but with him bringing me into his environment and he didn't bang but he had a lot of Because his neighborhood was in the blood neighborhood, of course, he's going to have that relationship or whatnot. But he taught me how to see things from a different perspective. And I I took that back in my own neighborhood. And that's how I was able to be able to DJ on all platforms and all neighborhoods because of that opportunity
1: now the reason why i went over to my buddy's house to check out that record because i looked in the back yes and, and one thing that we don't have today is that people don't buy records anymore because records are extinct pretty much yeah, sad, uh, um,
0: sad as fuck, but.
1: yeah it is sad and, and back then we would open up the little pamphlet on the cassette and we'll read all the credits yes so i read the credits on the back of that 12 inch
0: yes and, and it safe. said
1: uh uh steve and sue you actually gave them credits
0: well that's it now that was without me even knowing because you got to think about it. I'm out of high school. It's, I still wasn't shown how this business thing go. Yes. But in retrospect or just uh, for the appreciation of, of everyone involved, I'm glad that that happened because I didn't know even to this day who all those parties were. Uh-huh. So I'm glad that he did that because when I start to have a – more insight on who he was even to this day. I didn't know that, that, you know, uh, the shops, shout outs was, was, was like that or that you could do that. I didn't even know nothing about the business or how you could do that. So he asked me a couple of things and what I wanted to say, and I gave him that. So I'm glad that he did that for the both of us. Right. I mean, cause that man, um, was like a big brother and an uncle or father to the industry that we we never had you know and i'm i'm so glad that he did
1: i I took a picture of it and then after the interview i'll we'll open it so you can see the credits oh that's dope and and
0: not only that not to say too much but that was an educational fact to be able to read the credits because that was like a bio that was like a uh, 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 uh discography that was part of your a resume to uh, uh to use to take to these record companies or anywhere or house party to say hey these are my credentials because getting out of high school you know only i had 11th grade education at that time so i needed all the credentials i could get and credit i could get to be able to get to this next thing called music you know what i'm saying so and it was, it's 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 another thing is information so people will know who's who that did what because I my mother provided that for me when she had me looking at the back of those album covers. I seen the names and who played what. So old when I got a lot older, I went to different pawn shops looking for the same names of these of this equipment.
1: Right, right. That I wanted
0: to obtain to so, know, to, so. to compete. Uh, now you owned.
1: If I'm correct, SP12, and correct me when I'm wrong, MPC60.
0: Uh-huh. After that, MP62. Okay. Well, you might as well say the MP60 was was something someone let uh, lend to me. Okay. It, it was in my possession, and it was amazing having that piece of equipment because I'll tell you about that whenever you.
1: Okay. Now, now uh, I have a. a I'm going to name off a couple of artists. Yes. And uh, because. Honestly,
0: there's so many. Yeah, so much history. You yeah, so much history two. that we
1: can't cover it in one. <laughs> yeah. But I'm going to throw out some uh, artists, yes. and then you tell me yes, if
0: uh-huh. you did
1: work with them. Okay, go ahead. Okay. On. Uh, and, and they're not in a role, but yeah, cool. they're just out there. I'm with you. Okay, number one, The Box.
0: Yes, he's here now.
1: Yeah, much love to The Box. <laughs> okay.
0: It's crazy. Layers,
1: Penthouse Click. Yes. Okay. Dub C Matt Circle.
0: Yes. Okay. Uh, Dub C, not the... What's that, I it, a sucker? Yeah, you must, yeah, yeah, the first one, yeah, yeah. The first song I had to think about the single I okay. did, which was that box size, yep. Yeah. Yep. you're right.
1: Lighter Shade of Brown? Yes. Okay, we'll come back to some of these. rest please, Bobby. Uh, what about uh, Bobby, Jimmy and the Critters?
0: Yes, damn, it's crazy that you said that, yes. Okay,
1: uh, right here I see that you did a Tupac, I Get Around remix. Yes. Okay. Spice One? Yes. Dana Ding? Yes. See, now that's crazy because I loved anything. I mean, we yeah, were talking about
0: New York. That was my, I think that was my, yeah, that was my first time producing someone from New York ever. Okay. Yeah, because I was signed to Madonna at the time. He was, we was label mates. Dope. Okay. Dazzy D. Dazzy D for sure. Drew Down. Yes.
1: Razzcast. Yes. Yo Yo. Yes. E40? Yes. Exhibit? Yes. The Eastsiders? Yes. J.O. Felony? Yes nate dog yes faith evans yes cocaine yes and i see that you did a remix upon correct the vapors with uh, charlie wilson and tina marie yeah
0: they labeled it that but mines was the original okay and 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 what's so crazy about that that was done the day that we found out Pac was deceased it was me charlie wilson tina marie heavy d dave aaron uh, salt and pepper, all in the same room. The same day that he died, it's the same day that I made that vapor. So, and mine was the original one. But what happened is, is that Suge and Harry O fell out. I was signed to Harry O. And he didn't want him or no relationships or any benefits from. He didn't, he, he didn't want to pay out. He didn't want to do anything. He didn't want that to happen. That's another story. So he went back and told Pooh and uh, and Snoop Dogg, Suge did, and uh, he told them that um, I wanted fifty thousand and a hundred percent of the publishing. So, so they would wouldn't fight for me having the record on the album. So I was very grateful that we found the song. And. Uh, actually i found it and uh we mashed it and mixed it and gave it to snoop and then he put it out on an album we, uh, we did last year for oh, the dope. first time so it was dope that, that yeah happened.
1: you know it's funny another thing we have in common is that i produced a song for mellow where tina marie
0: sang the
1: chorus in 1998. Man. so we have a lot of other things in common <laughs> oh so.
0: man brothers oh man we, 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 so, we connected uh, uh,
1: the last one here on my list obviously is domino
0: yes now would you say uh was that was that your first album that was my first like major success that's that's the record that's that is the first uh record that where the world was able to hear me because that was Russell Simmons behind Greedy Greg and Anti, which was Outburst Records. Yes. They had Mork and Steph as well in the mix, but Domino set the tone and the pace for the label. And uh, I was glad that Leon Cohen and Greedy Greg and Anti and them quarterback uh, me and Domino's talent and um, the world heard it. And if I'm not wrong, either we was before Warren G I think we came before 1G, Okay, but 1G's success as well as mine's. So we're talking about the first West Coast artist to be on Def Jam label was Domino. Wow. Then came 1G, but 1G's success as well is what saved Def Jam. Okay. Amazing.
1: I know um, Domino ended up going gold.
0: Yeah, he went gold, and uh, to me, I now that I know the business on the album, it went gold, and then the single it went gold. So really, that's platinum. But they right, they didn't put the plaque together. But it's cool.
1: Was that your first gold record?
0: Yeah, that's my first. That's how, what set 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 it. How did it, it feel,
1: man, receiving that plaque?
0: Um, uh, it was a humbling experience, and uh, still not really understanding the business. I felt I made it as far as uh the world being able to hear me because when well, you got quotes like here we go here we go but i'm not domino by biggie in one of his rhymes and to hear your music being played on def jam comedy and then to see your peers like bob Catpool and dr dre say that they got your music in their car and we we proud of you and it's about time you know, because I've been watching my my peers and my family do it for yes. so long, they was wondering when was I coming because they've been hearing about me, hearing about me in uh earlier works that I did, like we mentioned with box like Shader Brown and banging the Wax. You know, because my best friend David Lindley, who is who's known as Closo who managed uh Compton A V, he found and brung Domino to me, and I'm glad he did when we did banging the Wax because that was a person who wanted to take all the accomplishments that I did beforehand to another level to make sure that I officially get stamped into this game. So
1: dope, dope. Now, you mentioned uh, Lighter Shade of Brown. When did you team up with those guys?
0: Um... You know, I think you know I met them through through the K. D. Mixmaster family and Jam and James. Definitely, uh, I think was the one who introduced me to Bobby and them. And they was making uh, demos and stuff like that. And so that's what led into that that opportunity to to uh, land a record on the album.
1: What what songs did
0: you end up doing on their album? I don't know the name of it right now but it was dope as fuck though, you know. As, was it a single? Uh, No, it was okay. just one of many that was on the album and if it was a single it was probably on the flip side of one of their singles.
1: That's dope, man.
0: That's yes.
1: dope. I, that part I didn't know but yes. doing my little research. Now, Bobby Jimmy and the Critters, around what time did you do, what year? I want to you-
0: say 90, 89, 90. Okay. Um, uh, uh, I, I'm no I had to I had to get the year. Tell me the year. If you if you were if you if you are able to know the year but then I okay. could I can really tell you. But uh he was a fan of my work and that happened before Domino uh-huh. at okay. that time. But I was brewing and making so much noise that he he wanted a shot as well. But not only that, he had relatives that stayed one block behind me, so I will always see uh him in my neighborhood. And uh, he wanted to give me a shot to produce some records on them, and uh, it land- I landed. Though, though,
1: Now, you get your plaque. Would you say things started to speed up so fast or so many artists started to come to you that uh, um, you started to pick and choose who I'm going to work with? Who, who that... was your next artist after that?
0: It's funny that you say that because after that happened, see, I didn't even know the value of what to charge. Hmm. You feel me? I didn't know the business. So a friend, I mean, a young gentleman who's not alive, his name is Andre Harris on the West Coast. Is not the Andre Harris of R&B with uh, Jill Scott. This is a guy from Los Angeles. He actually was uh, close to uh, the legendary uh, uh, for Club Nouveau. So we talking, what's his name? Box from uh, Club Nouveau. Jay King. Jay King. Jay King from Club Nouveau uh was at at uh the same studio where uh Quick made his hits at uh in Skip. North Hollywood. Yeah, Skip. So we I'm in Skip. I'm mixing the last record with this sweet potato pie. Um, for Domino. Yeah, for Domino. And at that time I didn't have no management or an, an attorney at hand. So I was still in the process of mixing the record turning it in and and in the middle of negotiating or whatnot. So I still didn't find any, you know, didn't have an attorney or no one on deck. So the guy comes in uh, along with Jay King and they watching me mix this record. The door is wide open and they hearing it and they blown. They like, damn, we thought Dre was the only motherfucker. And quick, here's this motherfucker right here mixing all these records. Let's find out who, who this dude is. So they asked me, and said, what's your name, man? I'm okay. who, who 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 music is that? It's this guy named Domino. That's my work. I did the whole album, just about. I said, what? Oh, shit. They, did, they, <laughs> they, they, they depart from each other. Right. And uh, they came back and they said, well, damn, do you got a, a car? Do you got a manager and a, or attorney, no, an attorney? I said, no. They was like, their eyes got big, like, shit, you mean to tell me you did all this, right? This you? So, they stepped away from me again. They made a phone call. Next thing I know, I was on the phone with Harry O. He got me some representation. Uh, once I understood what was going on, the album ended up being out and released without my permission. Or no a proper negotiation. So, I wanted to sue once I knew he could get me a lawyer. And he said, "Cat, let's not do this. Let me show you why. That's another unique man behind West Coast culture and music. Your shit is on the radio right now. This is what can happen. If we go after them right now, they will stop that record, put it on the shelf, and go to the next person. Yeah. And I didn't want that to happen. I didn't want to fuck up my reputation with Domino or the label at hand. And... uh he said, let's do this, that's wait to the record is fully done with all four quarters. Yeah. And then we'll do a cease and desist. I mm-hmm. mean by then you probably will be gold. You're on you're hot right now. Everybody's talking about about you. Your name is all over the radio. It's an inter- it's an interviews. So uh it's an interview. So uh let's do that. So I did the cease and desist. At the end, and end up got getting a lot, a lot, a lot of money that I never seen in my life, and that's when I understood the value of my worth. Oh. So, so after, after that, history was, History uh, went to a whole nother level, and then I, that's that's. It go back to your question. When I when that happened, then people like Cam, Yo Yo, Spice One, uh, Boys the Men. Uh, at that time, was was at, at my at my at my beck and call. Even Madonna, dope because dope. she was into hip hop. She had, she the only person she experienced within hip hop that wasn't wasn't a success was Bobcat. She had Bobcat signed, okay, but she still wanted wanted to continue her venture into hip hop. She wanted in real bad. Okay.
1: So, We're going to come back to that. Yeah. Okay. We're going to take a little break. We'll That's be back in 10 minutes. yeah And uh, um, I'm learning a lot from you, brother. Yeah. That's fucking dope, man. <laughs> okay. So we'll be back, you guys. Please yes. uh, text somebody, call somebody, page somebody if you still got a beeper. Uh, um, we'll be back after these important massages. Okay. So stay tuned. Thank you, everybody. We just had to take a quick ceviche break. Uh, my boy, Battlecat Cat, uh, tried ceviche. He loved it. It man. was good.
0: It was uh-huh. good, right? Yeah. Uh-huh.
1: You know, <laughs> you mentioned uh, Madonna. Did, did you actually meet with her, hang out with her? Yes,
0: I, I did, man. Uh R&B group called Pro Broken Lonely, uh, which is Krista Glove, Ruben C., and another gentleman who's real close to Dr. Dre, Mike Lynn. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, they had a live performance. I was part of it. I played talk box. I was just early in as a, a new artist signed to her and. So she wanted to support and follow everything that I was doing once I became an artist. So we came, she came out and seen their show and supported. Man, it was crazy, man.
1: That's dope, man. That's dope. I mean, I, I was, you know, I was a huge Madonna fan since man, freaking junior high school, you know. Uh, and then for you to good. grow up and uh, finally meet her and man, chill with it her was
0: crazy. It was hard to look at her too, though, you know, because you know it's, she's beautiful and. And she just want me to open up and be comfortable and be all that I can be as an artist and a human being, man. She's such a sweetie pie. Uh,
1: around what year did this take place?
0: Uh, 95, between 94 and 95.
1: After Domino, what would you say would be, in your opinion, your next big hit?
0: Um because
1: hmm. you have so many by the way somebody commented it said the lighter shade of brown mm-hmm. i don't know if they spelled it right it was either paquito soul or poquitos. yeah that's Sol. it that's
0: it okay that's it that's, it. that's, it. that's so dope that day in tune okay that was the record and it had like some more bounce elements in it it was dope as hell because i was in the funk so um i got all these other records in between that's happening and uh um,
1: anybody that i didn't
0: mention that's a slew of picture people you didn't mention, but that's yeah. okay though. We'll be all day, all night with them <laughs> shits. Um, by the way, Domino
1: to me was like the rapping out green.
0: Wow. That's crazy because he's soulful singing. Yeah, you, yeah, you're right, you're right, you're right. Man, that's crazy. That's a cold, cold <laughs> layout, man. That's so fucking dope. Uh, if you're hearing this domino, you you are know, you already know what to do. So, um so in between time, things Got high, then they went at a standstill, and uh, I kind of, like, departed from the company and the management I was with at that time. And then uh, Domino did his thing or whatnot as well, here and there, you know, surfacing through uh, soundtracks and things of that nature. So, um, the homie corrupt. You know, I, I always been friends with him and family with him before he went to Death Row. Okay. And I was doing his songs and demos early on, and another guy named uh, uh, Tone Tovin. Not Black Tovin, but Tone Tovin, he's standing in the hood, because he actually wrote Stranding on Death Row. Dope. He's a good friend of ours. So, um, we watching the whole thing go down, you know, Corrupt is over there doing what he doing, making a name for himself like I am. Uh, he finally went solo, and when he went solo, he ended up getting an independent deal with some cats out of Philly, and he reached back to me. And uh, so we're talking about the makings of that was 97, uh, uh, the Players Club soundtrack, uh, which was distributed through A&M Records with Herb Albert and all them. you know, a legendary great label that Janet Jackson, whoever else yeah. has been on there. Uh <clears throat> Quincy Jones just to name a few uh he came back and reached back and said man I got a new deal man and I actually had this one track in the in in the can uh it was really originally for Trey D okay We Can Freak it was re- originally for him but Trey D from from, from the east the side, side, there. side okay yeah be sp- specific so for those who don't know right. so the legendary uh Trey D Snoop Dogg's friend from Long Beach, you know, he had, we had a unique relationship too, because he was a fan of my work, and I always wanted to work with him, because I loved this whole approach, you know, you know, him yeah. being a G, and, uh, so, uh, he comes to the studio, and, uh, I let him hear the record. At that time, there was another gentleman I was working with that I met through my old management, and his name was Black Tovin. Black Tovin brought, uh, Charlie Wilson's nephews, uh which, charlie wilson uh, the from, gap the gap, from the gap from the gap band Dope. and and i i, I you're gonna do that because everybody don't have no business not knowing who the fuck charlie wilson is so i ain't gonna say exactly from the gap band we're gonna I, cut that, that part out yeah <laughs> but anyway for those who just tuned in and ain't never seen and don't know i get it i respect that so charlie wilson from the gap band had uh some nephews and it's actually the oldest brother ronnie wilson of the gap band okay uh, had three sons. Uh, Andre Wilson is the oldest. Uh, Brian Wilson and Casey Wilson, the younger brother. The younger brother in them was introduced to me at the studio. And, uh, at the same, the same day that I start working with Corrupt to okay. make, to make, to make weak and Freaky. So the younger brother comes up with the melody and tells the older brother with this Dre Wilson what the melody and the words was. And we, watched everyone just run every which way because they was happy about the, the the idea and melody that they came up with. And I'm like, shit, I want to hear So they said, we want to go in the booth. So they went in the booth and they sung the hook and the hook is weak and freaky, freaky if you want to. Corrupt was happy because we knew the art of making music. He learned a lot from Death Row and the Dog Pound. And so his song, uh, Etiquette and Structure, was yeah. way up. And so we knew we had the hook to hook everyone and the rest was his history. But um, that was the second big phase. But it was a record that set up that and I gotta give it up to Dub C and that was just clowning. I did just clowning before I did Wicked It. He came back and got me. So I gotta say that set that record up and their relationship up because uh, no, more, one, no one was really uh, checking for Battle Cat and Dub C came right. to me to get that record. That's when you started hearing me clap. You yes. know, so I started using the Roger Trotman, you know, uh, signature clap that I sampled from one of his records. And-, and you know
1: what? That right there is how I recognize your production, man. Yes. you know. And, and by the way, before we get away from the Gap Band, Yes, sir. Humpin' was my favorite all-time poppin' man, song. Man,
0: come bro. on, man. Same here. Are you kidding me? I'm already a drummer. Yeah, So bro. between Pop locking. DJing and playing drums and learning how to c-walk, all that right there right. and doing the freaking all the other dances that came with the culture of music all that went into me doing music so I always wanted to reciprocate funk and show my expressions of music especially since I couldn't join to be with the legendary group at that time which was Uncle Jam on me. I knew that once we started making records I would get a uh, uh, a different response from him and all, all the greats that come out of Los Angeles yeah. that do music. So, so Dub C, We Can Freak It. Uh, uh, I mean, well, me, Dub C uh, just clown and set that up. That actually hit record. I mean, the radio station too, and I was happy about that because I was going through a hardship with the music industry and learning the business and the management and all that. And I needed another record to continue because that's all i knew i yeah. couldn't i couldn't stop i had to keep going yeah. you know I, I didn't i wasn't thinking about a fucking 9 to 5 i i want this music <laughs> i know what kind of money it can pay yeah and uh i didn't manage my money good you know to be able to stay afloat with the industry and and knowing that once you have a record on on the radio like that you can turn around and go get you a a, a unique production deal to uh brand your sound and artist, you know and i didn't understand the the importance of that so uh, but you know those records that next record helped set up that 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 kind of opportunity for me
1: now looking back at your career yes uh uh, and i often do that because i think i did most of my work like all in the 90s i worked with a lot of different uh rappers a lot of stuff came out a lot of stuff didn't come out yes was there ever that one and you don't have to name nobody Mm -hmm. was there ever that one person? guy or girl and you said fuck that dude i ain't never working with that motherfucker again
0: um yeah yeah that happened even with someone i made a hit record with you know okay we we got it together and got along but we never made another record after that right but we we good and, and uh we both grew as men and that that helped a whole lot because it's just what it is. Once you get older, you know, you're you, 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 you uh, finished with the foolish, childish ways and how to look at things in life. And I'm glad I did that because that reciprocated through the industry and the streets that, you know, yeah. Cat is approachable. He can, you can work with him. So I'm glad I did that.
1: I'm going to ask you a couple of questions. And uh, um, mm-hmm. we're going to take it back down memory lane. And this may be, we're going to change the channel a little bit. Okay. And this, but it's still hip hop. Cool, uh, let's cool. go. Do you remember where you were when you were first told or when it was first announced that Eazy-E passed away? Damn.
0: I I can't recall. I want to say I was at home because I always had a musical setting with me. So if I wasn't in the studio, I was at home. What a studio uh, setting. Uh, What year? Do you remember the year? I want to
1: say it was either '94 or '95 because it's it's it, it's weird because Easy If I got the years wrong,
0: mm-hmm.
1: uh, you guys correct me on the comments. But I know they these three legends passed back to back. It was if Easy was '94, then Pac was next '95, and then uh, um, Biggie was '96. Uh, yeah. Was '96. Yeah. Okay. '96. So. Wow. And then Biggie was so the all three th- died back to back. Yes. I, I had just pulled up to the studio in, in Alhambra, uh, Steve Yano's studio, and I remember my friend Big Jazz uh, uh, had just pulled up and we turned it on and Theo announced it. Yes. Okay. Yes.
0: So, as you said, Theo, y'all know exactly where I was, man. I was in my first home and I was in Northridge and in my home uh, studio setting and uh, let's actually listening to the radio. Yeah. Because, you know, Quake was on there. You know, that's one of my. My close friends and guys I like, you know, that, that, that contribute great things to this West Coast or this music period. So um, to hear, hear that um, was devastating because, of course, whoever had their relationship, uh, uh, memorable moments with him, of course, you know, I'm pretty sure it was heartfelt and hit. Yeah. Um, uh, especially with that disease, you know, you never – know how to feel about it till we hit home and it hit home because we was family and we was friends with him. So it felt like, you know, a devastating blow. Uh, trying to understand why it happened. Uh, it just made me think about a lot of things. Who Who's close to him? You know, where do we go from now? How do they feel about us? You know, the whole world is looking. We've been already uh, been dealt such a bad hand and and the perception about who we are on the west coast yeah uh and not to judge everybody has been in a uh dark or promiscuous situation and not uh on top of their uh, relationships with whoever they're dealing with but i was really concerned about how they was going to look at us as as a whole on our side of the coast right to hear that hear that about him so you know when i heard it they played
1: boys in the hood right after and i told my boy jazz because we were going to work on his record i said um jazzy d uh, no his, his name's oh, no, big jazz i big was introduced okay. yeah i was introduced to him by high c okay. and uh, i told him hey man do me a favor uh go, go inside uh give me a few moments and i'll be honest with you i cried man because uh easy E would come to my house when we did the mixtapes wow you know so uh he, he would all sign autographs um uh, for my little sister and I would be in the studio audio achievements when they were doing their records, so wow. I had a pretty good relationship with him. Uh, but yeah, I, I would say that that one really, really hit hard. Yes. Th- the the next one is this: mm-hmm. Where were you when uh, you found out or they announced that Pac had passed?
0: Two Park. When they announced that Pac passed, I was with uh, Snoop Dogg. Okay. It was me, Snoop. I said before early on, me, Snoop, salt and pepper uh heavy d rest in peace dave Aaron, which is snoop dogg's engineer who actually mixed the first east siders album incredible human being and engineer taught me so fucking much and uh dj pooh Okay and we was at at uh Larrabee west
1: Larrabee, i'm trying and to remember That's where on santa, that santa
0: monica close to doheny okay yeah that's where wow. it's at we all uh, I haven't heard Weirdos of Where those are, up oh, there. Yeah. yeah. It's, uh,
1: <laughs> now, um, where were you when you heard Biggie?
0: Man, can I tell you a story, man? Go ahead.
1: Share with us, man. Road Radio exclusive, man. Share with us.
0: I'm working with Dub C and CJ Mack. I do this record called Ends, which is a remake of Friends from the Houdini. Legendary rap group from the East Coast. I take a break i step outside i can hear the joy and happiness and clowning of biggie and sean puffy combs walking up the driveway of skips the coat the gold producer record in the same room where i did my hits and quick did his hits. And they went to the back uh room where the api is i was in the front with the ssl with them, and I, I always wanted to work with Biggie. And I had reflipped Mr. Big Stuff, hmm. and that the way the sound is. And it being a hell of an oldie like that, knowing that the world would have loved that if they would have heard Battle Cat and Biggie together flipping Mr. Big Stuff. And uh, two days later, he was deceased, bro. Wow, so um. to hear his joy and happiness and him clowning walking up that driveway now this was a heated situation because Pac is already gone this is when he came out here to be out here so he was doing studio work he was going to the radio stations and he was in recording uh studios as well he he was getting the whole experience of being in cali and so um, it blew my mind. It hurt it hurt big time because his persona and choice of words and how he sounded over music, felt like that was my brother from another mother. Felt like, you know, you know, he represented for cats who was real big, you know, uh, heavy set or whatnot. He just had a a family in your living room vibe about him, man, and his contribution. So, but, um, the next couple of days when I could have been home, I could have been home, but okay. that, that experience beforehand blew my mind, man. I was hurt as fuck and I couldn't understand um, all this, all this shit jumping off with both legends like that. I work with them both. Okay. Uh, indirect, uh, because of the, uh, do, do Snoop. Snoop gave me the opportunity to do some things and we got the uh, Biggie family and the state to approve of uh, his lyrics and stuff to be done. We did LAX. So I got LAX with Biggie and, uh, and, uh, sound Cones or Big Diddy over, over a classic record with me and uh, Ice Cube and Snoop.
1: Okay. Where were you when it was announced uh, Nate Dogg had passed?
0: Damn, man, you hit hard. Uh, I don't know exactly where I was. I know I was doing a lot of fucking work with Snoopy.
1: Okay, okay. You
0: know, we're talking about the 213. We're talking about... Uh, I think he, he could have been over one of my records uh, on the East Siders. We did a lot of work. I did work on his album on his records as, as well. Um, that hurt big hard, big time, you know. Um, that was our Smokey Robinson. That was our Marvin Gaye of of a voice for us. You know, the best crooner in hip hop I ever, ever, uh, ever heard, man. Just mm-hmm. amazing to see all the body of work that he did. And a lot of his performance and contribution among different uh, coasts together the south and and the east together with the west behind his uh, contribution
1: now my next question is if you have to take your time because I know that this one was just recent Mm -hmm. and I see you post a lot of stuff on your uh, Instagram about this one individual Um, where were you when you first heard of Nipsey's passing
0: at home and uh My mother and my child called first, told me it's not safe. I I stayed, I was close to where he was. And uh, my brother called me right after and said, are you okay? I'm like, yeah, are you hearing what I'm hearing? And I'm like, yeah, I I heard. And I almost tore my damn studio up. I was doing shit everywhere. I stopped for a moment, I ran to the living room, tell my wife what had happened. Was just at Snoop Dogg's studio. Four, three to four days before we talked on FaceTime about me being more instrumental in producing with him. Uh, It was a funny moment where I was talking to his engineer and he over uh, uh, Nipsey overheard me talking to him, so he comes and he started imitating me. And, uh, and I laughed a little bit and I said, Who is that, Nipsey? He said, Yeah. He said, Right, right. You know, you know how you sound. Uh, it was a beautiful expression to hear him. And I told him, Congratulations on everything going and the new studio built. And he said, Yeah, I need you in here, big homie. I love you. And, uh that was the last time I heard from him, because uh, I was trying to get some information to take uh, the software that I was using at the time. And his engineer is the one who installed it, so he was a great guy that, that helped me with that. But um, I still was trying to get my mind off of it by going to another location that was close by, two blocks over from the store. <clears throat> I'm feeling some type of way trying to keep my mind off of it so i won't be so dark i didn't want to call no homies or none of that nobody um it was a blurry moment he wasn't deceased yet but by the time we was getting ready to leave from my family's house which was two blocks from where he was they confirmed that he was deceased and that shit just like blew my mind back because we're talking about someone whose imagination was beyond ours you know his dreams and goals and he wasn't a selfish man so for someone to put his life on the line for greatness like information education and opportunity that's amazing man it just remind me of martin luther king or any other leader. He really was a leader. The fact that he was taking chances. I mean, he dealt with people who didn't love him in the hood and other places, but he ignored all that. That didn't stop him, man. He just did some unique things. I didn't know until after his death that he went and caught the bus to different neighborhoods to talk to different Crips and Bloods to try to come together. And he had something to give that would eventually change the narrative in their lives. And some of us are still holding on to what that was that he gave us and and doing our part. And uh, which inspire, inspired me and uh, Snoopy to do the record that we did. I had the record in the can for a long time. And uh, the one blood, one cuz. But when I seen on Instagram that Game, Snoop, and Dre was together, I hurry up and hit hit his fucking phone to pick up so I could get them to hear it and get Game or anyone else that felt like if they if they was ready to perform because they was already playing in a beautiful record that they had. It didn't happen. And I finally got a chance to talk to Snoopy. And Snoop was like, cat, don't don't trip. Don't feel like I'm being selfish because I want to take the song to the head. But because of my experience with the streets, both sides, the essays, the whole nine yards, everything about this shit, I'm going to have something to say that I think all of us would would be very uh, grateful on, on him speaking on the, on, you know, on Nipsey. So it happened.
1: Oh, awesome, man. Uh, yeah. uh,
0: that, first of all, thank you for sharing. I know
1: I know it man. it hurts and it means a lot, man. And I wasn't trying to touch on it, but you know what? uh i felt that it was needed because uh i think it's important for people at times to see you away from the music and to to see your heart to see which who you really are inside you know
0: yeah which is really kevin because battlecat is a brand and i understand that when people don't separate the tune you don't see who's kevin or who's and you think the person is battle cat and it's not i'm just a face brand for kevin and sometimes I mean for battle cat and and sometimes i'm disappointed in battle cat too and i want a lot of things for him too you know better you know than than what has occurred for him so i just made sure that kevin is in tune and and intact so he can put the right healthy shit behind the brand and the the leader and our map you know where we want to call me ambassador or or the king or this or that, you know. It's if I don't if I'm not in tune as a person, it will affect the brand. And that's one thing I don't want to do. So that was part of why I was quiet for a while too because I needed to be a better man, a father, a husband, friend, brother, all that. And that take a lot of work. You have to leave from this industry to be all that you can be and find a new burst of energy to continue your legacy or your purpose. So I appreciate awesome. you having me on this show to do so, and it's with the brown card, and it's I couldn't have picked a better family to do it with to, at this time in my life because that's what I've been doing is grooming and retooling myself to come back to the industry and finish what I started.
1: Awesome, awesome. You know, on the same note, uh, the only thing I know is what I hear on social media that, uh, that the person responsible for Nipsey's passing – uh, uh has this guy been sentenced do, 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 does anybody know anything what's going on with him? yeah
0: you 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 uh I'm looking for the information like you're looking for it okay and it's if we we all are not privy because that's how uh uh a case like that that's so high profile so uh controversial you know the whole thing everything about it is mysterious it's strange it's 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 uh, scary because it's, re- it's it's revealing some information about different walks of life that's involved in that. I don't want to say who those entities are, okay. but everyone is smart and know what what this is and who's all involved in it and making it go or making or, or, or bringing some answers to it. You know, if they care to want to do the right thing, they can. Uh, uh, if they will try to put this thing under the rug, we know what the consequences is when you don't be brutally honest and careful with approaching that situation. So I just pray that all my, my people, all creeds and color, really uh, take another look at what's going on and educate yourself and live your life and don't be so concerned and so quick. To put your own judgment on anything that's being said and how it's going to come out. Because I'm watching all these different uh, social media and podcasts, different people, personalities saying what they're saying. And they're bringing some interesting f- things to the table. Because in the art of being a, a detective, uh, we're actually seeing before our own eyes how uh, wise and and unique people can be in gathering their own information being so fucking tenacious or nosy as as my wife would say but um and to the facts is what it is and the last say so is going to be what it is i mean you know i just pray to everybody just uh be at peace and and, and hold with themselves no matter what the outcome is
1: awesome awesome
0: now we're going to change the
1: channel back a little bit in closing yeah okay uh, I'm going to ask you a question, and, and I'll I'll give you my answer first. Yes. And you give me yours. Okay. Growing up and even now, who would you consider to be your favorite artist of all time? Here's my answer. I love Prince. Prince is my dude. Now, I never Ooh. wanted to put on the G-string, the trench coat, and the boots, <laughs> but I love me some Prince, man.
0: That's crazy. That's crazy. I'm glad you said that, because this. Quote unquote, everyone's rival is Michael Jackson. I got a chance to work with Michael Jackson, man. Awesome. He had a group named Quo signed to him. Uh-huh. His first rap act, and come Those to, cool find, kids yeah, to find a Yeah, yeah. And then the, and the brother the, with the tie eyes is actually my cousin. Okay. And not the other gentleman who stepped out of and, and, and expressed himself like he did, but even though I made music that 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 took his career to another level you know i made this record called quo funk and it was the first time or the second time that michael jackson let heartbreak hotel the master reels come out heavy d did it and i did it and uh, i got a chance to talk to michael i got my opportunity to awesome uh get an appreciation of my work and uh him to trust me to do the right thing with his masters and it was a blessing uh, to uh, work with Mike like that.
1: One more, and then we'll give our shout outs. Okay.
0: Other than yourself,
1: who is, in your eyes, the best hip hop producer ever? Damn.
0: It ain't no. It ain't one. Cause, okay. Because uh, ever is ever. Right. Okay. So you got it. See, you gotta, right. That's that's a big word. Ever. When there's more to come. Right, I know. You're right. (laughs) But if you say, as far as a a body, in West west, west, west Coast, shit. They did the most. I'm going to tell you, I'm going to just do it in this order. Dre, Quick, myself, uh, uh, the homie from uh, Will I Am, and Mustard. We are the biggest impact, influential producers ever out of Los Angeles Mm -hmm. to ever do it. But it's two more that I got a name that come right up under that, and that's Bobcat and DJ Pooh. Okay,
1: awesome. Okay, now let me give you mine. Okay, and honestly, I have to agree with your top three, and I'm not just saying that because you're here. <laughs> that's the God's honest truth. Bro. Oh wow, Dre Quick and you. Wow, I, I had a yeah, happy we year, we all
0: we all three are the one, and it's crazy how that how to end up being. Because we got other producers before us that really played the way. When you look at their discography and you look at the body of fucking work that they did, but I understand that when you surpass the 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 uh, the art, the many artists that they work with. I get it, and who stayed consistent even going into the 2000s, yeah. it would be me, Dre, and 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 Quick. I get it, but. Uh, I had to name all those other greats. I got to give Jinx his too because he did a body body of fucking work that was just incredible. He he did as much as he could even in R and B and hip hop as well. He 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 did that. But if you talk about in the top influential five, it's going to be Will I Am. Will I Am was from the West Coast. What he did with Black Eyed Peas, I didn't know all his history until later that he was part of Ruthless. That shit was fucking amazing. I I heard him shut down other producers that I love from the West Coast. And not like Beat Battle, but in a a hell of a session. And then you got Young Mustard. I've I've been knowing him ever since he was 10 years old. So to see him come into the game and not bite anyone's style, but be influenced and set his own tone and pace like that, I got to give it to him.
1: Dope, dope.
0: Uh, Before we check out, any shout-outs you want to give to anybody? You. I want to give a shout-out to you, brother, because... Thank you, man. This right here is... uh, I didn't know we had so much in common. I don't want a one-off. I want to continue a, a relationship with you in music and whatever that you're doing. If you're still DJing, if you still got the passion for music, I would love to collaborate with you. And continue uh, what what we started over over here in the West Coast. I want to give a shout out to everyone here, my boy Box, Box. everyone here, Boomers here, everyone that's here. You know, you know, Rodeo Radio, all my fans, followers, just everyone. My wife, my 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 kids, God first, if not, you know, I'm I'm just grateful, man. Thank you for this opportunity.
1: I want to say I want to thank the West Coast legend. DJ Battlecat for being here. I uh, hope you you understand what I'm about to say. Mikasa Sukasa. Oh, yes. Okay. Thank you. So so thank you very much for sharing with us, opening up your heart, yes. and uh, allowing us in, allowing us to hear what is there. Especially coming to these brothers that have already passed, that we pray yes. that they rest in peace. Yes. So now. Um, I want to give a shout-out to my boy, DJ Bobby B. He's Sugar Freeze DJ. He's my brother. Hey. He's in the hospital. Oh, wow. Uh, uh, get man. well,
0: brother. Get well, brother. Um, Love you, man.
1: Hopefully, we see you Saturday at uh, How the West Was Won. Yes. Uh, I'll be in the house. I'd like to thank my brother, Hi-C. Hi-C. Uh, uh, I'll be there with him as well. Um, so, if you didn't got your ticket, go there because it's going to be historic. It's going to be classic. How the West Was Won this Saturday. Uh, uh, I want to give a shout-out to... Uh, My man that that, uh, I cannot do anything without, he's responsible for all of this success. John motherfucking Elkins, I got to say his name loud and clear, John Elkins. Um, He does my shirt designs, uh, Rodian Radio, the website, uh, films a documentary. Also, would give credit where credit is due. Uh, My boy Daniel Jones, DG Media Clips. Also, uh, well, he filmed pretty much all of the documentary as well with oh, me. Oh, wow. Respect, uh, uh Roger Merrill. He also goes by Roger Lai for doing a lot of the sound. Mm. Uh, Boomer. I cannot forget. Boomer did it from the Remedy Yard for doing a lot of the sound. Right. I got to give credit where credit is due. Also, Wiz1. He did a lot of the sound.
0: Yes.
1: Uh Also, Carrie uh, Fujita, South Bay Drones for the amazing drone footage on the docu mixery. And the DocuMixery, once again, before I forget, will be dropping November 4th at DocuMixery.com. So you have to go there to view history. History will be told uh, November 4th. Uh, The Rodion Mixtape DocuMixery dedicated to the memory of Steve Yano.
0: Steve Yano. So
1: if there's anyone that I forgot, please forgive me. Hit me up next time uh, uh, and I'll, I'll give you a shout out, Okay uh for those of you that just like to hit the down button honestly leave leave a negative positive comment honestly i don't really give a shit because you guys are going to do it anyways but much love and thank you for tuning in and next week we got another special guest but in order for you to know who my next special guest is you got to tune into either my facebook or to my uh uh, instagram uh it'll be out tomorrow morning and you don't want to miss uh uh, next week's uh interview so once again thank you battle cap my brother Thank you. Much love. Much Tony respect. Tony A,
0: the wizard. Thank you, brother. Yes, sir. Thank you. That's what's up.
1: Johnny Boy, take us away.